This is Film Club. Charge! Insanity runs in our podcast. It practically gallops. Oh, now look, darlings, we're going to be discussing arsenic and old lace. So I did find some fun facts that I'm going to share before we deep dive into it, but it was actually, obviously, it was the stage play first, but they wanted to make the movie while it was still being shown as a play, and they filmed it and edited it and had it all ready to go, and they weren't allowed to release it until the play had finished its run, but someone sent it over to the troops, um, to British and American troops in World War II, and the director heard people saying, charge! And so he was like, somehow they've seen it already. And so it was just this funny thing where it was like people had kind of illegally, not really illegally, but like they weren't supposed to have seen it yet. But it was just like so funny that that one line is the one that was so recognizable. It's also famously one of Cary Grant's least favorite performances. He hates <laughs> his performance in this. And he wishes like Jimmy Stewart had been had done it instead. They apparently, he felt like he was overacting. And they apparently reshot a bunch, but didn't have time because of World War II, didn't have time to put in the new, the newly shot um, scenes. And so a lot, of, like most of what you see is the original and is what he hated. <laughs> so two more things. Uh, Cary Grant's real name is, of course, Archibald Leach. And there's this running gag a little bit that in the previous film that he did, which was His Girl Friday, he says that Archibald, Archie Leach dies in somewhere in that film and then in this one in the background in the cemetery that one of the headstones says archie leach so it's just kind of this like funny joke to his actual name that is a continue anyway someone was like it's the archie leach and his girl friday has died in this movie but one of my favorite things and you're gonna have to go look it up and maybe i'll send you the um the video i was watching that shared all these facts because it's so funny to me. At the very end, the judge comes, or Witherspoon, walks around the table and picks up a glass just like that was knocked over. He just picks it up. And Cary Grant says, was he supposed to do that? And it caught, oh, yeah. like you can hear it <laughs> on in the movie. It's so funny. I didn't notice it until it was I heard out. it. It's so I, Yeah, I was hearing all of his, he was just commentating so much. And then that like um, fell into, or I could hear that too. Yeah, but that was a mistake. He wasn't supposed to say that. <laughs> so funny. <Oops. laughs> so this is funny. Frank Capra, the director, does Christmas and Halloween. This is very specifically a Halloween film. A pat on my back for picking a perfect October film club. <laughs> but did you know that this is based on a real story? There was a lady who ran a boarding house. It was called the Archer House. And they found 60 bodies. <laughs> like she 60? Had... Yeah. So this was... It had kind of been published, like a, one of the newspapers had written about it. And then a little bit later, the play was written. So it's assumed to be based off of that. But that is wild. So awkward. Yeah. So we'll talk it. We'll jump into our cast of characters. First of all, I would like to give a shout out that Mr. Winlow from the, the lawyer in Ghost Mr. Chicken makes an appearance. I think he's at the very beginning. But I always get excited when there's a Ghost Mr. Chicken crossover. Um, so, of course, we have Elaine and Mortimer. They're our leading couple. Um, but then we also have Abby, who plays in, uh, a role in Harvey. Um, oh, yeah. I did see that she was in there. And then Martha. Abby and Martha are the aunts. We do have Teddy, a.k.a. Theodore Roosevelt. Um, and then Jonathan Brewster. 
and Dr. Einstein. So those are our, our main, we do have like the, the policemen as well, but the, these are our main characters. And I think obviously we'll talk more about Cary Grant, in that, even though he hated it. It's one of my favorites. It's so, He's so funny. funny. It's such a different role for him. He's usually playing the straight man. He's usually playing the like suave, know-it-all, in control. And here he is just absolutely the opposite. And it cracks me up. It's so funny. So I think I'll just kind of run through some of my favorite story bits and then we can talk more technical stuff. But so if you have anything you want to add, feel free to jump in at any point. The character of Mortimer Brewster himself, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about him because like the marriage, like the whole relationship between the two is really interesting. I remember the very first time I watched this, I was like, oh my gosh, I would love to play Elaine like on stage. That is like maybe a dream role. And this time when I watched it around, I was like... I don't want to actually. She like doesn't have a great treated well. No, she's not. And she I think originally I was just like, yes, I want to play opposite Cary Grant. But no, I get the whole shtick is that he's like anti-marriage and then oh, he's fallen into the trap of marriage or whatever. Right. Or he's like found love and actuality and everything that he stood by and everything that made him famous. He's a hypocrite, too. But just like the way and I understand that he's gone through a slightly traumatic thing finding out that his aunts murder people. But like the way that Elaine is treated from the get go is pretty rough. <laughs> I do love Teddy. This is the thing. Even though I'm like, I don't know that I love Mortimer. I love Cary Grant playing him. Mm-hmm. But I love all the other characters so much. Teddy is so funny and just a little too relatable. <laughs> as a history buff. <laughs> and as someone who gets far into character. Oh, um, yeah. I do love um, the whole thing about the window seat. The window seat almost becomes a character in the movie of how much it's referenced, how much I love like when everyone's racing to sit on it and hide it. Carrie is so crazy in this. He's so bubbly. Yeah, there's just so many really funny comedic moments in this movie. Like when he finds the dead body, just his facial expression is so great. I also <laughs> One love- One of my favorite things that he says at the very beginning- to Elaine is if you see a tall streak of lightning going past like that's me (laughs) (laughs) so so dumb like who says stuff like that (laughs) Mortimer Brewster does I also just love the ants they crack me up when they're like oh he's a Methodist (laughs) like they're just (laughs) racking up their collection also proper Halloween night those masks are so scary that the children oh my were gosh but they were They're freaking giving actually out terrifying cool jack-o'-lanterns like i did make a note of that <laughs> please let me go to this house trick-or-treating i want to be given a whole jack-o'-lantern that's so cool and <laughs> that's like a lot of work truly i also love someone says isn't halloween a wonderful time <laughs> we should have recorded this while it was still october because it's just I gonna know. be sad. Yes, and how- even in the credits, there's like all these bats and jack-o'-lanterns and so it says it's a Halloween tale. Right. Halloween is such a wonderful time. But yeah, I just love crazed, anxious Carrie. Like the noises that he just makes. So funny. And then, of course, we have the whole Boris Karloff gag. But did you know Boris Karloff was actually in the stage play? Mm-hmm. Oh I gosh. think that I think that the two ants were in the stage play too. Yeah, a lot of people were. Um, Boris Karloff wanted to be in the movie, and they, they were better. afraid that, that he was going to be the headliner, and they didn't want that, which is so sad. And so they told him no. <laughs> but then they were afraid that he 
would like sue them for his likeness and name and he was just a good sport and just let them use it even though they denied him being in the movie good guy so sad justice for boris but yes that jump scare at the window seat when he pops through the window (laughs) oh it's so good and then we have to talk about my actual favorite character which is dr einstein because peter laurie is just the best i love this man so much I really, I need to start watching more Peter Lorre films this year so he can be my number one actor that I watched. But one of my favorite quotes is when he's like, just talking to himself and he's like, where am I? Oh, here I am. (laughs) In the dark when he's like, they're trying to move the body, but he fell into the window seat. (laughs) He's just talking to himself. He's so cute. I love him. (laughs) My favorite part um with him is when the ants are telling him about the 12 guys that they murdered he just makes this little confused face like fuck i was just like he's so cute i love him Cary grant at one point is talking on the phone and he says holy mackerel which is one of my favorite quotes that i quote from wonderful life so i was just like frank capital <laughs> holy mackerels <laughs> holy mackerel but yes Mortimer Brewster, or no, not Mortimer, uh, Jonathan Brewster is so tall because I feel like Cary Grant is so tall. And then he is just towering over Cary. <laughs> so, so scary. That picture, Jonathan's baby picture. Oh my gosh, so, so good. <laughs> I, just such very clever, funny writing. When you make up your mind, you lose your head. I just love when Dr. Einstein always says, Johnny. <laughs> like he just constantly <laughs> is saying his name, but Johnny. <laughs> And I love it when they're counting their murders. And, and comparing like, it. No, Johnny, you cannot count him. And they're like <laughs> saying what counts. That's as a cheating. Yes. Oh, I love him. And then and when I, this eventually my note taking just devolved into um, Dr. Einstein quotes. But when Jonathan get, gets knocked out and the policeman's like, where have I seen that face before? And he goes, no, please. And he like covers the face with the shoe. <laughs> oh i love it and then i do love when he gets away at the end when the description is being read and he's like panicking of every like facial description and then they're like okay see you later he's so happy to get away it's so good i'm so glad he did get away i somehow remembered him dying so it's a good thing that didn't happen oh my gosh you just rewrote it in your head i was like i was prepared for him to drink the arsenic i was like he's gonna die oh sad so yeah those were so i I also love he's like the nicest person to teddy like he constantly calls him mr president and then (laughs) teddy's just obsessed with him like oh the general will be so excited about this the general will be shocked to hear about the yellow fever he's like so excited to tell Dr. Einstein about everything. They're just besties. They're such good friends. I love it. Yeah. So those are some of my my favorite moments. If you have anything else story-wise you wanted to touch. Just some of my other favorite quotes. I think one of the policemen at the beginning says, I promised I wouldn't swear, but what the heck? (laughs) (laughs) If that's not a you and me thing. (laughs) Right. I just love the way the ants run around the house, like flitting. Mm -hmm. Like they remind me of the fairies from Sleeping Beauty absolutely um i love how carrie grant calls them darlings i think that's so so classy yes so cute i agreed with i don't remember which aunt said it but she said they ought not to be allowed to make pictures just to frighten people uh, no! <laughs> <laughs> oh the way that carrie grant when he was like in the height of confusion he'd like just stop and point like when elaine came in one point he'd like just point at her and be like what are you doing here 
Or like when Jonathan, when he sees Jonathan, he's like, what is that? Just pointing. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> well, he um, sounds like Jonathan. I, I think he says, Jonathan says it to um, Dr. Einstein. He says, don't whistle in my ear. And it sounded like Prince John. Whistling in my ear. <laughs> when Cary Grant was gagged and tied to the chair, he was reminding me of Beaker from The Muppet Show. <laughs> the way the way he's like just like silently reacting and his eyes are bugging out his head like <laughs> his <eyes are> so <laughs> oh my gosh such a beaker vibe when the the ants are talking to him and they're saying how many people they've killed and then he's like what i think you're lying and she's like you don't think i'd stoop this telling a fib <laughs> yes she's like, got her priorities a little on the level of criminality i don't know who says this maybe it's carrie grant says i can spell like the dickens (laughs) oh yeah and i did just want to shout out when he's calling on the phone to call the police i think and then the lieutenant walks in and he just hangs up it reminded me of michael oh my gosh he hangs up the phone when he finds out that luca brazzi's dead rest in peace luca i will say i feel like the writing in this is so well done like there's so many hilarious well-written jokes that are witty and clever and some of them are like the deliveries were really well done but some of it is just like the wording is so funny but I do feel like on this most recent rewatch I felt like it kind of dragged at the end like I was like a little bit ready for it to be over and it just kept when he's like trying to convince the judge to take the sisters as well I kind of was like mm-hmm. we gotta wrap this up some of the pacing at the end felt a little off for me but other than that I feel like it was a fantastic like I would highly recommend people watch it I this rewatch I was dying you can ask my mom I was just like busting a gut probably because I worked pre-op that day so I was on little sleep but I was laughing so hard and my mom was not laughing that hard so oh. like, why am I laughing so hard this is so funny why are no. you laughing it's very funny it's very well done mostly uh. it's just Cary Grant it's just like so unexpected from him because we're so used to his cool guy wow. version yeah. I think but that's why like- I also really liked bringing up baby that's kind of also he hadn't grown out of it yet right like so unhinged goofy silly but i i feel like everyone does a really good job like all the main characters besides elaine not that she doesn't do a good job but she's just like kind of more on the outside Mm -hmm. teddy made me laugh so much yes teddy the ants jonathan dr einstein like they are all so solid as well i think when it starts to involve a lot of exterior cast like when he goes to the sanitarium and stuff those aren't quite as enjoyable but i do also love it when the like the younger policeman comes i think he's so funny he's such like a bumbling fool i'm so excited about his life as a playwright thematic things or more like cool images i want to talk about um it's kind of funny the narrator abandons us at a certain point like there's so much at the beginning these screens full of dialogue and kind of telling us what's happening what's going and then suddenly it gets too spooky for him. He leaves. The narrator leaves. But it is a New York movie, I wanted to note. I wrote um, that down. <laughs> I also wrote down that it stinks with atmosphere. I don't know if that was a quote or if that was just something I wrote down. I think that might have been one of the police. I don't know. But I just love that they live right next to a cemetery. What a mood. Mm-hmm. I love the image of the closet of hats. When they open it up and you just see and you realize how many people they've offed. And there's a lot of really cool use of light and shadow, um, especially when they're like, when Teddy's carrying the body and it's like he's silhouetted mm-hmm. and it's a slow and and the sinister funeral march. 
And then when he starts crashing down the stairs, it's very comedic as well. So Jonathan, Dr. Einstein with the match. I love that part and the lighting there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of fourth wall breaks, which I was I found surprising, like a lot of looking to camera and um, when he finds the other body. Oh, that's another thing. I didn't like the taxi cab gag got a little old for me, too. Like it was kind of funny at moments. Oh, I just felt bad for him. Yeah. Like, why is he still waiting? He yeah, he should have long gone. That's his own fault. But I also love the the cinematography technique of the camera sliding as the characters glance and look at each other. And one of the questions that I asked our capital regimes, um, which we'll get to eventually, but this, like many films, was originally a play and how the movie honors that, but really doesn't make it feel too much like a forced stage play. Like sometimes I feel like when they translate plays to, to film, it can feel really stuck because most of the time it's just in one room. And I feel like um, I was watching a commentary on this as well, that they are, they do a really good job of not keeping the camera in like, one place. Yeah. They, they're able to, within the room, create different vantage points, create different focal points. Um, they use the cemetery and they actually like built on the same stage, the interior and exterior. So they wouldn't have to, they could kind of more easily move in between all of the shots I noted at one point that the characters are kind of like glancing and looking at each other and the camera really panned and followed that um, gave credence to some of the looks that they would give each other rather than taking it all in or or being really uh, selective or specific in how it was being viewed. Uh, when Jonathan and Einstein are talking to each other and it's just their profiles, I love that part. The shadow talking to Einstein when they're all you can see is their shadow. And it's such a Boris Karloff shadow. Like, it looks so good. And it's, I also noted, it's very German expressionism because of the angle of the banister that intersects and cuts the frame. Um, So I was very happy about that. It was just, it felt like it was giving a nod to the predecessors of horror film. And there's definitely stuff that doesn't age well. We kind of already talked about the treatment of women. There's some insensitivity to Native Americans. But one of my other favorite parts is the play inception the playception if you will <laughs> when they, he's like making fun of people in plays and he's like explaining like what happens and it's obviously happening at the same time but he he's says up behind you yeah he says in a play or even in a movie for that matter and you just love that they had to like put that light in right play. but when he's like look at the attitude large as life <laughs> like it is very tongue-in-cheek and on the nose but it he does it very well it's really <laughs> it's a funny uh, part of it also a big fan of the tension building um the <laughs> when he's on the phone and the new guy is coming in and he's trying to drink the wine and he is about to drink it and then Carrie will yell and he'll stop and you're just on the edge of your seat will he drink it will he not and then when Carrie finally yells and like <laughs> scares him so badly and he just leaves um there's also a clink of glasses the when they're like when um Jonathan and Einstein are about to drink it and then the beagle stops them and you're you're so excited you're like oh yes drink it drink it drink it and then they're stopped my last thing that I'll say and then I'll throw it over to you um when they're all fighting I thought that was so funny and really interesting camera work here Uh, a very fun film moment of where you know you you can just put background noise in and catch moments of action but you don't have to see it all at the same time. And I love it when he's on the phone and someone is holding 
or I don't remember exactly how it is, but he's like, a little higher, please. And someone has to raise it higher while they're already <laughs> fighting with the phone. It's just such a funny gag, a funny visual gag. Um, so yeah, I think this is a very prominent piece of successfully turning a play into a film. So anything else you wanted to add thematically, storyline, whatever? Yeah, I think you already talked about it, but like just so much dramatic irony where we know what's going on and the other people don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and they like play on that and make jokes out of, out of it. Like Elaine standing right in front of the window seat with the body and saying, I have to know where I stand. And Carrie's like, I don't like to know where you stand. <laughs> or he's spelling something out on the phone and he says, hey, as an arsenic. And it like zooms in on the, I think that's when Mr. Gibbs is about to drink it. Mr. And Gibbs. he's on the phone. Yeah, it's just so funny. It's I don't really know. Funny. I did not think it was as funny the first time I ever watched it, but yeah, I, I think- really loved it this time. I know that we keep harping on this throughout all of our film clubs, and maybe it's just because I enjoy rewatching films so much, but I do feel like this is one, the first time you're watching, even though the plot is pretty straightforward, you are kind of missing some of the other jokes, mm-hmm. trying to follow what's going on. So I think it's one that you should revisit at some point if this is the, your first time watching it, because yeah, I think the more and more you watch it, the more charming and hilarious it becomes Mm -hmm. you get less caught up about like oh no this guy's so scary and oh no they kill these people and and you just enjoy the ride yeah all right well if you don't have anything else we can throw it over to our listeners capital regimes so favorite characters we had a lot of people saying teddy roosevelt some people also said the ants they're crazy but you have to love them looks like two votes for dr einstein what about you do you have favorite character mortimer brewster (laughs) surprisingly no one else said mortimer i think i have to say dr einstein he i just adore him far too much to not to say anyone else but teddy is also maybe a close second even at the beginning when he's got his sunglasses on and he's just like so nervous like looking around (laughs) it's so funny performance wise i think i would yeah for sure Cary grant would be up there Okay, we've got the ants hoping the man would drink the wine. So, like, probably watching Mr. Gibbs, right? Mm-hmm. Anytime that the president was on stage, it was also fun to see Cary Grant trying to manage all the craziness of taking care of Teddy and protect his aunt and his new wife. Mortimer looking in the window box for the first time. Any scene with Dr. Einstein, especially his escape. I did get a good jump scare, even though I've seen this before, when the drape suddenly opened and there's Jonathan. <laughs> um, when, Mortimer, when Mortimer first finds the body... And the ants tell him that they've killed him. <laughs> and then when the doctor escapes from the room right out of the cops' noses, <laughs> he escapes <laughs> out of the cops' noses. <laughs> when the doctor escapes right from under the cops' noses, and probably when Cary Grant was describing a play with the exact same plot he was in, and any time the guy yelled, Charge! <laughs> he escaped right out of the cops' nose. <laughs> <laughs> Um, did you have any favorite scenes? Or a favorite scene, I guess I should say. Oh. Uh, I think when Cary Grant comes home and Jonathan's there and he just has no idea who he is and he's just like <laughs> terrified of him. Yeah. I think I'm going to go, oh. Any scene with Peter. 
probably when they're trying to count the bodies. I think I was dying. I love that part. Um, okay. So here's my thematic question. How do you, how do you feel this did in adapting a play for the screen? Did it enha- enhance or inhibit the film in staging, character, camera work, etc.? Or general comments on adapting plays for screen? How far from a stage-like format should it venture when it works, when it doesn't, etc.? So here's some comments based on that. I felt they could do cool shots as a movie. Mortimer talking on the phone with the view behind the stairs. I felt that it stayed true to the play version and maybe they could have capitalized more on being different as a movie rather than just looking like a play. I have seen this play and it is it is a delight to see in person. I think it is fine to adapt a play to the film if the play film format is honored. It felt like watching a play is for the most part. Um, it could have been filmed on a single set, but for this film, I felt like it worked there was no need to go into the basement or Teddy's room or add extraneous action outside the house except for the marriage certificate scene at the start, but that could have been in the play as well. Because we are seeing what happens in the house and cemetery, it makes sense to keep it in the house and cemetery. On the other hand, Doubt excelled at taking the action outside the setting that it is used when staging the plays. It seems filmmakers feel they have to expand the action from the stage version, and in the hands of a deaf director, it usually works. Sound of Music filmed as a stage show? No. Wait Until Dark all happening all over New York? No. Rear Window and Rope feeling feel like stage plays, but they work. So I guess it depends on the story. The compressed settings and intense, scary movies seem to help the view feel closed in and unable to escape, often like protagonist in such movies. And then someone else said, I thought they did a good job adapting it to film. If I remember the play right, there's only one setting in the house and the movie didn't add too many other settings, so it felt a lot like a play. You can do a lot more with shadows and camera angles in a film, so that is fun. And I feel like as long as you have great acting like this movie, it is it is easier, I think, it is easier to make it a successful adaptation. Well, one thing I thought that in film, there could be special effects and movie magic. I feel like the people involved could have made it really gory, more so than the play. Like they could have gone into the basement and had corpses rotting. Whereas I think you are possible, possibly more limited on a stage. But the movie adaptation did do that. They kept it pretty tame and stuck to doing pretty much everything you could do in a play version. The acting seemed a little more exaggerated, which I think is more common for plays acting to the back of the room instead of subtle moves for the camera, but I don't think that inhibited the film. Interesting comments there. Um, Did you have anything you wanted to add? I feel like I kind of touched upon this, but, and yeah, you talked about it too a little bit, but. Yeah, I don't think so. Okay. There's some merit to keeping it feeling like a play. The films that have been brought up in here with Wait Until Dark and Rope, where it does feel more play format. I think lends itself better to creating like tonally to keeping that play format and then there are others that I think excel at maybe trying to escape from a single room sort of closed in feeling as well so um this one I'm thinking of you probably haven't seen it is Fences um Mm -hmm. and that movie was so boring (laughs) I think it's a movie you only watch for the acting right but like that's what it's famous for is Denzel Washington does such a good job in his monologues but it's just really it stays in their backyard sometimes it goes into their house sometimes in the front of their house but it's just very play-like and then it's just stuck in one setting and it's uh I don't know it was hard for me to watch well there wasn't much action and I mean maybe um knowing what the like the the plot and the premise of that is like intentional into keeping you know in one spot and limited that that it acts as an kind of another layer to Mm -hmm. what the characters are facing um 
So yeah, that's interesting too. So yeah, I don't know. And our plays written, our stories that come from plays written in such a way that like the space is a player in and as a part of that. You know what I mean? Like a lot of big films maybe couldn't come from plays because they couldn't ever really be written as a stage play. So I don't know, just interesting things to think about. I'm I'm a big fan of of uh thinking about how how things translate over different medias so um some favorite aspects we have the acting um the lighting was nice and spooky i enjoyed the clever writing and interplay between the characters also the setting which is rachel's dream house right next to a cemetery true um again the acting crazy cary grant more suave and serious persona and again, Cary Grant, unhinged in a silly and eccentric plot. I'm here for it. The casting was excellent, and this is probably my favorite aspect. Perfect. Takeaway or lesson, people aren't always what they seem. You can't control others, even your loved ones, and you just have to meet them where they are. You can celebrate Halloween all year round. I don't know how that was gleaned from this, but I am a <laughs> proponent of that. Each family has a little bit of crazy. Sometimes you just have to love them and accept them, but other times you love them and have them committed. <laughs> um, it's easy to run away from a guilty conscience and take justice into your own hands if you find out you aren't related to the people that committed the crime and got them all in the mental in a mental institution. <laughs> it's true. I we didn't really talk about this in the meat of our episode, but is what Mortimer does moral? <laughs> like, should these two women be? I mean. They're obviously. I mean, they're killing people, right? They're so. This is what's interesting is they are by sending them to the sanitarium. It is effectively in in one way or another doing what prison does, which is removing them from society from harming other people. But is it justice, right? Where's Don Corleone? Um, (laughs) Because, you know, I think a lot of the times it's like the justice should be meted out for the people who have been in her hurt, but for the men that they killed. apparently they have no friends or family to miss them so it is just this really interesting thing of like should Mortimer have turned them in but maybe what if they've just ended up in a mental institution anyway because they're like certifiably crazy so but is he just skirting the law for his own benefit for his own celebrity status and you know like would this mar tarnish his his uh image I mean, Jonathan was, he was a wanted man and known as his brother. Well, I don't know if he was known, but like that was already a tarnish on his But name. see, and also you bringing him up, like Jonathan has murdered people more aggressively and like, you know, hurt more people in the long run, I think. And Jonathan or Mortimer gives him an out. He's like, hey, I'll let you leave right now since you're my brother. Like, Mortimer places so much loyalty on family above the law. Yeah. So it's just, I don't think Mortimer is the most moral person here in this situation, but... Definitely not. He's trying to just make things easy for himself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also, it's interesting, like, I feel like Happy Dale, hopefully, on its surface seems like it will be a good place for teddy but part of me was like teddy's hurting nobody like you do not need to send him away like i know he's i and happy to be where he was that was but that also wasn't mortimer's fault like he played the bugle and then the police were gonna come take him away anyways yes i mean they were coming to take away his bugle he, mortimer gets him like speeds up the process to put him in the sanitarium because he thinks 
Teddy's the he one killing the, people. He'll take the bodies. Or he'll take the blame for the bodies. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. All right. This first one is from Catherine. I enjoy plays, and it was easy to see how this originated as a play. I think it would be fun to see it on stage. Teddy Roosevelt was easily my favorite character. Charging up the stairs and blowing his bugle all the time, he was great. It was a quirky, funny play with a uh, deus ex machina ending, but that didn't really bother me, probably because it was such a comedic play. I also liked the cop who kept telling Mortimer about his play. (laughs) The ants were great. Was one of them in Harvey? Well done. I think the performances overall were really well done. One of my favorite scenes was when the ants would get excited about the man drinking the wine, and then he would put the cup down and their faces would fall. The dead man in the window seat being swapped out was pretty good too. Interesting work with lighting. The scenes that were done almost completely in the dark reminded me of Wait Until Dark. I also like the running joke that Jonathan looked like Boris Karloff. The next one's from Deb. I love this classic film. Okay, the next one is from George. I guess one could go deep, as one analyst does later in this review, and ask, is murder ever justified, kindness or heinous? But I chose to view it as fun, screwball, black humor, entertainment, and a not-to-be-taken-seriously story. A spooky Halloween tale, and that's all. We see things through modern eyes, of course, and it did seem to run a little long at the end, a little drawn out after the madcap events that had just occurred. I thought the opening title cards were a fun way to prep the audience and ending that opening with, from here on in, you're on your own. I smiled and laughed a lot rewatching. The playful, light music also made it feel lighthearted. It mixed horror and humor. When Teddy hefts the body across the room, careful, or across the dark room, carefully enters the basement, and then when the door closes, you hear him falling down the stairs. Also, Johnny and Einstein exchanging looks of disbelief when learning about the already filled graves. You got 12, they got 12. Another quote, insanity doesn't run in this family, it practically gallops. Not the most amazing movie, but still a fun one. Charge! One scholar has suggested that one theme is America's difficulty in reconciling the um, positive and negative consequences of liberty, which it professes to uphold and the Brewsters demand. Their house is the nicest on the street with 12 bodies in the basement. That's a metaphor for the struggle to reconcile um, America's violence with its pervasive myths about its role as a beacon of freedom, from Matthew C. Gunter. Adding to that is that Jonathan's Mr. Spinalzo isn't welcome because he is a foreigner, while the <laughs> sister's gentlemen were nice. So definitely something to think about if you want to. Fun facts. Bob Hope was originally the intended lead, but couldn't get out of his Paramount contract. In the Broadway play, Boris Karloff played Jonathan Brewster. The sisters and Teddy, John Alexander, were allowed to take an eight-leave week. An eight-week leave of absence from the stage production to be in the film. Karloff was the stage production's major draw, so he remained in the play. The film also couldn't be released until the Broadway run ended, so even though it was filmed in 1942 with the September 30th release date in time for Halloween, it wasn't released until September 1944 as the show was so successful. A fairly unknown actor, uh, Jocelyn, played Mortimer on Broadway. This one's from Jill, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I had no idea this was a Halloween movie. Such a great pick for October. It even had trick-or-treaters. I think I prefer Cary Grant in his later, more serious roles, but it was fun to see his amazing talent for comedy as well. It was a good mix of funny and spooky. I enjoyed watching it. This is from Annie. This film is a zany, silly, goofy comedy chock full of wild plot twists. It's surprising to see Cary Grant in an over-the-top, unhinged performance when my only other exposure to him was his straightforward hero portrayal and charade. <gasps> That's the only one, Annie? What? <gasps> Annie, you oh have a world my. ahead of you. Oh, we have so many Cary Grant films for you to watch. I think Grant does a good job with an unlikable main character. 
his wife puts up with a lot and maybe my one complaint was how he treated her if i was to modernize it i would somehow bring her into the knowledge and have her comedically be another person grant is working with not just someone to shove off screen agree annie yes that was worded perfectly the casting was so excellent from the little ants harmlessly delusional uncle evil lurking brother with his perfect stereotypical 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 sidekick <laughs> doctor with a german accent to the bumbling cops it feels like a play, if that makes sense, but adapted well to a film. And I'm always so impressed with the creativity of storytellers and playwrights to take who take inconceivable situations and make great entertainment out of them. Yay! Well, if you have nothing else to add, I think it's time to leave the gun, take the cannoli. So here are my cannoli questions for you. The first one is, what monster or like monster actor would you want to be plastic surgeryed into it doesn't just oh have to be God. classic universal can be spanning the decades probably that guy from pan's labyrinth just kidding <laughs> <laughs> i went my eyes on my hands Ew. <laughs> it's just because you saw the one of et i'm trying to think of who's like the most could i say like maleficent Does she sure care? yeah be like she's the most beautiful scary person especially if it's the angelina jolie version no i don't have green skin okay (laughs) (laughs) what would you give away to trick-or-treaters if you could give them anything oh my gosh Ooh, ooh. now i'm trying to think of something extra extra spooky i would give away whole plastic skeletons like giant life-size plastic skeletons how about the the 12 foot skeletons from home depot that too that's if they have like (laughs) real excellent costumes i give you a size of skeleton based on my liking of your you judge their costume um okay which halloween costume would you become um if you snapped and how would you go about your normal life so like teddy roosevelt obviously thinks he's theodore roosevelt so from your costumes it doesn't have to be Halloween proper. Like, it could be something you did for a party. You've become that person. And I have a follow-up question. So just answer that to begin with. Maybe Gilderoy Lockhart, because I feel like that's, the, like, the strongest character. Although I would hate to just be the worst person ever. But he's, like, the easiest to be okay. become, I feel like. Um, he's and so annoying. So then how would people have to trick you into doing, like, your normal things? Like, where they have to, like, tell them, like, oh, there's... Yellow fever, go to <laughs> Panama Canal. So, what? How would people get you to like go to work and stuff like that? I don't know, because they try to do that in in the book. They try and trick Gilderoy and be like, "Oh, you're the bravest one, so you have to go down to the basilisk." <laughs> but he doesn't do it anyway. So, <laughs> I they have to say like, "Oh, but your fans are. You have to go write your fan mail or something like to sign the papers. Like sign oh my for gosh. your fans." <laughs> to do your paperwork at at the hospital yes (laughs) amazing in a similar vein but also different who would they assign you to be in the teddy roosevelt universe to relate you to teddy interesting how how prominent is susan b anthony at this time (laughs) i don't think he was president maybe but when like susan b anthony they inhabited the same was taking like the like a major stance um or more prolific i guess so but yeah we'll go with susan b anthony 
Okay, have you ever done something you thought was helpful and learned wasn't? This is a, kind of a, a deeper cannoli question. I know, you shouldn't have given me a week to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've like thrown stuff away and then found out that I shouldn't have done that. Like someone was saving that for something or or I've done that to myself where I've thrown something away and been like, oh, dang it, I need <laughs> Like the instructions being... for how to microwave something. <laughs> yes. I thought I was being a good organizer, but kind of a cop-out answer. No, I like it. Hey, it's on the fly. It was good. Or like when my mission companions would try and I had my trainer would clean my desk for me, and I'd just be like, don't touch my stuff. Yeah, what she the? Thought she, she thought she was doing service for me, and I just hated it. So, <laughs> What would, so like, Mortimer was getting married, which was like the antithesis of what he was famous for. So what would your antithesis be? Um, what would you be wearing? Your cheater glasses. They called them cheaters. I thought that was so funny. <laughs> Hiding from the public. Celebrating Christmas in November. But I still, Are I'm not doing it. It's not a confession. Does it? Have, <laughs> is it something I have to be doing right now? No. Oh, Okay. Yeah, but it would be something if you did that. You'd have to do it with your sunglasses on. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I have to burn myself. <laughs> okay, here are canola questions from our Kappa regimes. When was the time you scoffed at something? Example in movie Marriage, and then ended up embracing it wholeheartedly. Ooh, so kind of similar, similar. but um, mm. oh, mine is definitely bluey. I think when it first came out and everyone was a buzz about it, I was like, this is not that great. And like the first few episodes I watched, I was like, I don't get the hype. And then at some point, all that changed and I became obsessed. I remember watching the trailers for Kung Fu Panda and being like, that looks like the stupidest movie ever. I don't want to see that. That's for little kids. That's for boys. Because like the trailers always have like potty humor in it and burping and stuff. And... And you know the rest. Now it's that was the last time you've changed your mind on something. It just says a time. Oh, I thought it said the last time. <laughs> Lol, <laughs> I can read. And the next one is, what historical figure would you love to be in real life? I mean, is the Phantom a historical figure? According to the book, he is. That's a work of fiction. According to the book, it's not. It's found letters. But according to a fictional book, it's not. (laughs) Aren't all books fictional? I mean, the obvious thing here is Voltaire, obviously. There's no other answer for me. Oh, of course. Of course. I don't know. Somebody cool, I guess. (laughs) Shell Silverstein. Is, isn't he still alive? Does he? I don't know that he hardly oh, counts as a historical figure. He's historical. I just can see his books on the <laughs> shelves over here. <laughs> I don't actually know anything about him. Oh my gosh. The entire breadth of historical figures, and you go with Shel Silverstein. <laughs> okay, maybe I would be um, Florence Nightingale for your nursing. No. Lawrence lived in a hard time. <laughs> well, most of these historical figures did. <laughs> I know. I would want to be um, one of the Queen's corgis. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a historical figure? I just pretend to be a dog. <laughs> but a historical dog. Not Lassie. Yes. One of the unnamed corgis. 
No, they have names. I know, but you don't know what they are. (laughs) I'll be one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Not too original, but what character would you be that would allow you to yell something? And what would that be when you entered a room, climbed or descended stairs, stood up, sat down, or any other action? I would be Al Pacino's character and just yell the F word. (laughs) Anytime you did anything. (laughs) (laughs) One of Al's Al's more profane characters. I want, I would would like for that to be a thing at a party. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Someone that yells something. I mean, I'm just coming off of spooky time but jack skellington i could just say what's this what's this every time oh so hey i have a question how come there's no candy in halloween town whoa this is (laughs) (laughs) we talked about jack skellington i've been thinking about this for why is there candy in halloween town yeah candy is so integral to halloween at least now sure I mean, I don't know. Jack, are they surprised? Jack, with? Jack was feeling like he's missing something. It's candy. There we go. Maybe that's maybe this is how Halloween, because we don't know where uh, Nightmare Before Christmas happens in the timeline of human history, right? So, like, maybe this is more towards the beginning of the origins of Halloween, and when Jack and when Jack goes to Christmas Town, discovers candy, brings it back to Halloween Town, because we know that um, those two he does find candy in Christmas Town. Yeah. yeah, they kind of have a, a melange at the end there, because Santa makes yeah. it snow on on Christmas for Jack. Oh yeah, just like Utah. <laughs> Not Halloween though, just on Christmas. Um, but yeah, I like I'd like that to think that that it's because of the mixing of the two holidays at that one point in time. But now that is why candies at Halloween. You're welcome for this tangent. Um, <laughs> okay. If Michael Corleone lived with his two crazy aunts in Sicily, what would their names be? How would they kill people? And where would they dispose of the bodies? I feel like Jill's questions are always about murder. Because <laughs> <laughs> okay. she thinks that's what The Godfather's all about. Okay. What would their names be? Paulina. Pauline. Fabrizia. <laughs> <laughs> how would they kill people i mean i think with guns like they normally kill people or is it supposed to be like the, oh how would the ants kill people like subtle maybe they poison i think poisons the spaghetti yeah. poison the cannoli um oh, there it is does that and where would they dispose Spoiler. of bodies i mean sicily seems like why throw them in the throw them with the fishes oh you when you're right you're right which would you rather do Dig the graves for bodies your siblings killed or get plastic surgery you didn't want. But one is wow, like... what a would-you-rather question. Are you immoral or are you vain? <laughs> as long as the plastic surgery was... You become um, Maleficent. Yeah. Wait, but you do Or just that. like under anesthesia or... And so it's not painful. And it turns out well, I guess. But it's plastic surgery you didn't want. So like it would turn you into something give you a facial well hair. i don't want plastic surgery anyway <laughs> oh loophole so it could be a so good I, surgery. I don't want it but it could make me look better <laughs> oh my gosh wow there, I, I can, i'm struggling to find a loophole for digging the graves for bodies your siblings killed 
Is Annie confessing to something? Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. I guess it's kind of like Strawberry, though, that song, right? Spooky. <laughs> um, I guess I got to go with Digging the Graves. <laughs> and then I'll turn them in. So I'm still moral. Okay. Well, I think that's all. All right. Until next time, double check your window seats and say, your face reminds me of someone. That was Film Club. Thank <laughs> you.